to the Uproom Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit uproomfrisco.com. Okay, a light personal introduction. My name is Israel Lambert. Um, I'm 44 years old. I'm a small business owner. I live in Allen, Texas, about 20 minutes this way. Uh, I'm husband to one wife, which is important. I think that's in the criteria somewhere. Father to children that are in the house, so they're not unruly. That's also important. Um, I'm a small business owner. Uh, I want to just acknowledge that a couple of my uh, technicians are in the audience, uh, Jake and Kevin. I appreciate you guys being here. It means a lot. Um, those guys with me all around the Metroplex get out and hoe and plow and sow seed and reap a harvest in the business for the profit of the kingdom of God and God's people. That's what entrepreneurs and small businesses are all about. My parents are here and my parents-in-law um, I would not be here if it weren't for them, for obvious reasons with my mother, but just in general, my life, the progression, uh, continuing walking with the Lord, it only happens because of the sustaining oaks of righteousness that provide shade to their children and their grandchildren. In the Old Testament, and I grew up in Israel, it's all about three generations. So I just want to point out, it's super important to me, and just point out what that looks like. We got two couples here. We got myself and my wife, and then they have a third generation grandkids right there in the house of the Lord. Say amen. Tonight, uh, we're going to continue when I, uh, Jeremy, I got the call last Sunday. I got the call. How many knows that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it's like a tree of life, right? So I got the call last Sunday, and I, Jeremy said, you know, would you cover Sunday night next week? I said, Absolutely. He said, what do you want me to speak on? He said, just stay in the vein of where I've been, which is joy and Advent 3. So tonight we're going to cover a little bit of the third week of Advent. We're going to talk about the good news of great joy, the meaning of joy when it comes, its purpose in the kingdom. And then we'll close with some practical function and a little Hebrew lesson, because my wife said I have to integrate the Hebrew. My parents were missionaries in Israel for many years, so I had the pleasure of growing up in Jerusalem and around Jerusalem from age 5 to 18. I graduated Hebrew public school when I was 18. I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and went to Oral Roberts University, so the Golden Eagles. I graduated with a business degree there and moved back to Texas in 2000. But have no fear, because I was born in West Texas, okay? So those of you that are from Texas, in case you're a little worried, you might seem a little sketchy, I was born in West Texas, so I'm a native Texan boy. Um, Third week of Advent, much of the greater church the denominational church, is celebrating the Advent, which simply marks the coming of a notable person or event. So we're in that season where much of the church has liturgical uh, systems and practices, including the lighting of candles, uh, certain rituals, certain practices, certain prayers, and and that's what we're joining them with. So we're joining them in the third week of Advent, and this, uh, as if you were here this morning, Jeremy said a word in Latin, My daughter studies Latin at her classical school. If I butcher it, I'm sorry, honey, but it's gaudete, which is rejoice. And it's in the imperative, so rejoice. That is this week, okay, rejoice. We have something to rejoice about and rejoice over. It's Latin for rejoice, and they commemorate it by lighting a rose-colored candle. This candle is referenced to be the shepherd's candle, okay, So I say all that to usher us into what we're talking about tonight, which is the shepherd's candle or the candle of joy, okay? How many know that the shepherds, the shepherds 
had a role to play in Jesus's birth and at that season, right? You, you remember those stories? So we'll just go right to our text here. There's uh, some scriptures I want to cover, but we're going to start in Luke 2.8. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you have a phone, I'll give you a few seconds to look it up. We're going to mostly read at the NIV, which is not necessarily my preference, but it's the one we've chosen for tonight. One of the beauties of the Jewish tradition and growing up in Israel was that I got to see firsthand the feasts that were celebrated and it seemed like they were being celebrated like every other month, right? Like every other month, the buses are shutting down, stores are closing, people aren't eating certain things, they're eating other things, they drink a lot of wine, they're eating a lot of food, they're getting together with family. One thing that's lost sometimes in a non-denominational church is that we kind of, and, and the pastor said it, so I'm okay with it, we throw the baby out with the bathwater, we say, oh, all that tradition, all that liturgy, all those forms, we just get rid of it because we want to be free in the Holy Ghost, right? But the beauty of some of those traditions, the beauty of the Jewish feast, the beauty of some of those services is that there's a physicality and a reminder that's there in the natural. We can grab hold of this candle, we light it, we look at it, we feast on it, and we remember. It sparks something because you're a, you're a human being. There's your flesh and blood, and to connect sometimes to spirit, God uses natural things like those ceremonies or like those services. So Advent 3, just to, to kind of cover that those things have a lot of meaning. You know, we have some close friends, even the church here, that have a Coptic background, the, the Salamas. Some of you know them, Hattie and Hilda. Uh, they're in our small group. And once I started studying their church, I realized the richness of the Coptic church. And, and started looking at some of their ceremonies of service. And, and I was like, wow, there's a lot to it. So you can love those brothers and sisters knowing that the things they're doing are dear to their heart. They're real. They're not just doing it for form or religion. So Luke 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, and this is, this is really our scripture here, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, the savior, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth, and peace upon those with whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasures up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which, they, which were just as they had been told. Why the shepherds? Why are they integrated into this story? Like that hit me first. I have bathed in this topic of joy and rejoicing all week. And when you study the word, whether you're doing word studies, cross-referencing things, look at commentaries, original texts, context, 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 
One of the big things that happens is God will put in your spirit the why. You'll come across something, a topic, a verse, uh, a name, and in, in your spirit will just prompt why. Why, why the shepherds? Shepherds in that day and age were, were kind of outcasts. They were a lonely people. They were a humble people, okay? So in part, it's in line with how God reveals the Messiah, how it unfolds, okay? Coming through a woman, which if you know the context in, of that day and age in history, was like a second-class citizen or below, not much higher than livestock, okay? And then it progresses into shepherds, right, which... These guys are just tending animals. You know, I mean, how much value could they be? And then it just continues to disciples, smelly fishermen, okay? And and so God is revealing the majesty of a Messiah through the most unlikely characters. And you know what? I take a lot of confidence in that. You get me? You feel me? Feel what I'm saying? I take a lot of confidence in that. Because if you know people that choose to take up the mantle of vocational ministry, a lot of times it's the most unlikely characters God is choosing. You know, it just happens like that. So these shepherds, I want to tell you a little bit about them. First of all, they're natural watchmen. They have a deep understanding of watching and guarding the flock. So they're always on alert for news. They're always listening for news. So when these angels erupt out of the sky. I mean, suddenly they were there, right? They're, they're shocked and terrified, but they're always looking for news because they're always counting the sheep. And they're also always on the lookout for predators. They're natural watchmen. When you look what happens, they listen because shepherds listen. They listen for strange noises. They listen for predators. Listen for the wind. Maybe a brush fire kicking up. Maybe water. Maybe there's a torrential rain. Israel goes through these cycles of of drought, and then it can pour. And when it pours, it starts hitting this dry dirt, and gullies start to flash flood. So shepherds are natural at listening, very natural for them to listen. And then what you see, too, is after they've listened, it says in verse 18, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Because in verse 17, it says, they spread the word concerning what they had heard. They're simple. And we got to stay that way. We got to stay simple in the sharing of the good news of the gospel. Don't overcomplicate it. The story self-authenticates itself. It's true. All you have to do is share the truth in joy, right? You share it in joy. If it actually is a joyful story to you, it's easy to relay. Amen? The other, the other importance with the shepherds is this was a town where a shepherd in history had become the greatest king of the nation of Judah, okay? There was a little shepherd called David. So this revelation is reconciling the lineage of David all the way through Jesus Christ, Okay, these shepherds are being honored because there was a little guy who was out in the fields killing lions and bears when no one was looking, who wasn't even welcome when the prophet came to anoint the king of the nation. He wasn't even invited. That's how discarded he was. And God is reconciling through the, the heralding majestic angels bringing this scripture and, and, and bringing it to light to the shepherds of current day that are sitting there waiting, watching, observing. 
Now, these guys tend flocks that end up going, what did you say, about 10 kilometers over the temple, something like that, maybe seven to 10. Their, their flocks, there's a certain region around Jerusalem where all the flocks have to participate in shipping their animals to the temple for sacrifice. So these shepherds understand something about sacrifice. They understand something about something dying for something else to live free. They have a deep understanding of that. And when they get this word that the Savior has been born, they also have an inkling, what might be going on here? Could it be that the system that we, this system of blood that we've participated in for so long, generation after generation, might be coming to an end? And it did come to an end, not the way they thought, but it did come to an end. So you got King David and the fact that he was a shepherd becoming a mighty king of Judah. And then he is the lineage, you know, Jesus comes out of that lineage and it just goes all the way down. So that's the line that brought forth the Messiah. So we're talking about joy and rejoicing about this story. And we're, we're hoping, I'm hoping tonight that, that if anything, if you leave with anything, that you would leave with more of a hunger and thirst to dig in to this, this, this word, this season. This is a season for rejoicing. It's a season for feasting. It's a season for celebration, for really just taking all you can of the fatness and the sweetness of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the time of his birth and, and just letting it saturate your being. It's not a time for lament. It's not a time for looking at past sins or shortcomings or failings or, or sorrow. It's a time to really grab hold of rejoicing and joy. So I want to just transition now to look at some of uh, what joy means and, and what, what its function and role is in the kingdom of God. There's a lot of scriptures that we can look to, but I've chosen a few just to kind of give us a push into God's role in, in joy and rejoicing and then what it serves in our lives. So first of all, I'll just tell you outright, you can't produce your own joy. You can rejoice, but you can't produce your own joy, okay? That, that's, you, that's a fact. And we're not talking about happiness, okay? Joy is something that comes from the Holy Ghost. It comes from the Spirit of God and it's deposited into you. It's poured into you. You're like a bowl. You're like a vessel, this temple is like a bowl and God pours joy into you and he does it when you look at his son. That's what happens. When you look at the foundation of your walk with Christ and the work of Christ, you begin to get joy inside because you turn your eyes away from circumstances. You turn your eyes away from circumstances. You stop looking at mountains and valleys and oceans and rivers and fires that are raging in your life. And you start looking at Jesus and the completed work he's done for you. And, and you start looking at the fact that not only did he, was he born, but he lived a life, died, rose again, went up to heaven and took the security of the outcome of your story to heaven with him. That's what he did. And then what he does now is he prays to the Father over your story, over the unfolding of your life. 
And that for me is very reassuring. But it started, he had to be born, <laughs> right? And that's what we're celebrating. This season is, it's, it, we're not celebrating crucifixion or resurrection, even though those are awesome things, They're a little down the road. We're celebrating the birth, the birth. Now I have kids and I remember when they were uh, coming forth, so to speak, you know, that's a joyous occasion, right? For the men, for the fathers, right? And grandparents, a little tougher on the wives, you know? But if you remember, there's a, there's a period of pregnancy that happens. There's a, a delay. A woman is pregnant, but there's no baby yet. The baby's in, he's not out, you can't see him without a sonogram, right? So the same thing happens in the kingdom of God. A lot of times your circumstances will hit you. And if, if God graces you and if you've developed a natural flow of tough circumstances hit, this is where I find myself. This is where I find myself. This ground right here is where I find myself. If you've developed that natural flow, you become impregnated. You become impregnated with the gospel message and reminded that your destiny in heaven is completely secure. It brings forth fruit, the fruit of joy, which is the fruit of the spirit, right? It brings that forth. That's, that's the process because God pours it into you. So I want to go to Isaiah. And we're going to go Isaiah 9-2. Excellent. This is a scripture that prophesied what was told to the shepherds, right? The people, walk in, the people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, has a, a, dawn, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Who increased the joy? The father did, right? He increased their joy. They rejoiced before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. I want to stop right here because I want to, I want to show you what joy looks like on the people, okay? I want to give you some tangible. We've left a lot of things from the agrarian society of the Old Testament, but you can still grab hold of these things. A warrior, a warrior spreading and dividing the spoils with his warriors, okay? I know what that's like with those guys. This is what happens. We get a job. We bid the job. We get the bid. They approve the estimate. We go do the job. The job comes out good. Customer approves it. Customer sends a check or Zelle or calls with credit card payment, right? We get the money. We divide the money. Isn't that what happens, guys? That's the same as war for them. That's what joy looks like. It's not, it's not the bid. <laughs> it's not the work. It's not sanding or testing the backflow or spraying the bathtub. It's not when we tear everything down and it looks good or I give the report to the city. It's when I spread the spoils with my technicians. That's the joy. Amen? The, I'm giving you what it looks like, okay? Let's take, let's take and, and, and let's take another example of sowing and reaping, right? Because he says, as they rejoice before you as a people that rejoice in the harvest, okay? The harvest, the taking in of what you've labored for. Obviously, we have a saying in my, in, uh, my work. So you can work, you can sow, you can plow, 
You can do the weed eating. You can pull the weeds, but you can't make it rain. Can't make it rain. You can pray. You can do uh, dances if you want, (laughs) but only God can cause rain. But when that rain comes and things grow and you're able to take in the harvest from the growth, that's joy right there. That's joy. That's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about joy. Okay? So joy is after the child's out. It's when you're holding the baby. You know? It's, it's my oldest son. He's 15 now. He's, and, I, and by the way, I did get permission from all the kids to talk about him doing the sermon. So we had that discussion in the car. But just as it's coming out, my wife decided to have a baby with a midwife, which was a little terrifying in Dallas. I thought all babies are born in hospitals. She's like, no, I'm having it at a birth center. And I was like, oh, my goodness, that's not approved. But I rolled with it. She's an amazing woman. I trust her. Thank God. At that point, I trust her. Jude's coming out, and the midwife's going, catch the baby, Israel. And I'm like, catch the baby, Israel. And I finally catch him. And I always say I'm the first person to lay hands on my firstborn son, which is a very special thing. And I pick him up. And the midwife had said to take your shirt off because he needs to feel the warmth of your skin. And I bring my firstborn son to my skin. That's the joy. I didn't make it happen. I didn't create that joy. That's the joy the father gave me. You see what joy is? And then the rejoicing happened. We're all hooting and hollering. And Allison just like, whoo, can I get some water or juice or something? You know, she's like, so there's that. And, and that's a reality of our labor with the Lord. There's always someone toiling. There's someone that cleans the bathrooms, y'all. I've seen it. There's people that pick up the trash. They, they pick up the, you know what I'm saying? They sweep the floor. There's always someone toiling. Their rejoicing is with you when you sit and enjoy it. That's, that's a fact. My mother, she's an incredible cook. And, and she, she would cook these meals throughout our whole life and all these years. And we've all been able to celebrate my family, the kids, friends. And, and her joy, I mean, the toil was incredible. I'm like, she's working three or four hours. People are knocking this down in like 30 minutes, you know. But her joy was in seeing us with smiles ear to ear and just lapping it up like, you know, like we hadn't eaten before, which we had. But... I want to to give you something in your mind's eye, pictures, because God is a God of images, and he wants to capture the images that are in your heart. So I want to give you what joy looks like tangibly so that you can remember, that you can remember that Jesus was born a little over 2,000 years ago in a little town called Bethlehem, and that's where your story started in Christ. Now, he, he, he had you in mind's eye before the foundations of the earth, yes, but your redemption started there. Start when he broke that womb and came forth on his planet. So that's a joyous occasion. You see our time. Okay, we're going we're gonna to start. We're circling right now. You know, when you get to your city of destination and they go, oh, there's a little delay in taxi. So, so we're circling and we're about to come in for the landing, okay? I want to just talk about joy in the kingdom, okay? Joy, joy in the kingdom of God. Romans, and remember, that's a discussion, that whole book. And it's important that we all study the word. Okay, that's the bottom line. It's important that you study the Bible. You need to know what it says. Don't take my word for it. Go home, open it up. I hope that you get more of a passion to crack it open. Take 15, 20 minutes. But in Romans, that, that whole book, it's a study. It, it's basically like, it's settling a bunch of arguments. You got these Gentiles being saved and then there's Jews and there's a lot of division. 
Fortunately, there's a man who is a chief, chief Pharisee who used to kill Christians, has a full revelation experience, goes blind, and he's the one solving it because there may not have been another person on the planet that could have had the anointing to do that. But in Romans 14, uh, 16, we throw that up there. Yeah, that'll work. I'll read both. Uh, therefore, I do not let, therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. At the time, you got to understand, like we hear eating and drinking, we think meat, food, drink. At that time, the identification points for the believers and the non-believers and the Messianic Jews and the Jews and the Greeks and the Gentiles was, what do you eat? Are you allowed to eat X? Oh, Alexis eats X. Maybe he's not really one of us. So that's, that's what he's referencing. Your identity is not in the external things. Even in the body of Christ, walls must come down for unity to happen. So your identity and the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness being God's government settling into you first, then your family, your sphere of influence, your job, your neighborhood, your city, your state, your nation, and beyond. Peace is shalom, right? It's the fullness of your heart being able to settle, being able to settle in what God has said what he has done and what he will do. And then the joy comes from the Holy Ghost. In order for joy to manifest, you have to have the contrast of suffering or toil. There's no way for joy to manifest otherwise. If we don't have the labor, we cannot have the harvest, so we cannot experience joy. So what I want to show you, and we'll just land, we'll come to our conclusion here with this, this little, uh, we'll just do a little, little Hebrew lesson, um, is the scripture that's often referenced, the joy of the Lord is your strength, okay? Anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever heard someone say it to them, like, you're struggling, and they're like, well, you know, the joy of the Lord is your strength, brother, and you're like, man, you're not hearing me. Like, I mean, you, we, we got to learn to mourn, to grieve, to rejoice, to celebrate with one another. We got to learn the times and seasons, and, and we got to also have a word that's in due season, right? So I, I've heard that all my life, you know, heard it growing up, would recite it as if I could conjure something up. Well, the joy, if I just get the joy of the Lord, I'm going to have the strength, right? So I began to just drill down. I wanted to get to bedrock. In Texas, we have a lot of clay-based ground, you know? I may have got stuck in the clay, but I'm deeper, I'm closer to bedrock in regards to this scripture. So it's in Nehemiah. And it's in Nehemiah 8.10. And there's some reading going on of the law to the people uh, by Ezra. And the people are starting to hear the law and they're starting to look at their sin and they're starting to say, oh man, we've messed up. You know, we haven't followed him. We really need to, we really need to lament. We need to repent. They begin to be sorrowful. And, and they're stopped by Nehemiah. And, and they're told, in Nehemiah 8.10, he says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. And, and that's what I would say to you this season. <laughs> I would say that to you. By the Spirit, celebrate. Celebrate the Christmas season. 
Enjoy your family. My mom used to spike the eggnog a little bit. Enjoy some eggnog. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, enjoy. I mean, it says go enjoy food and sweet drinks. In the Hebrew, that says enjoy the fatness. Enjoy the fatness. Enjoy some rich, rich foods and traditions, some Christmas cookies with your kids. You know, we always put them out. It's good because I usually end up getting to eat them, you know, which is nice. We crumble them around the fireplace until the kid Santa came. That's a different message, though. So it says, go and enjoy choice foods and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This is also a time as you celebrate, it should run over. There's people that don't have. You've got neighbors. Trust me when I tell you, me and the guys that I work with, we're out in the field every day, not often on the same location. There is lack and suffering and loneliness all over this Metroplex. I would venture to say that not a week, if you looked for it, not a week could go by where you couldn't touch the poor of the DFW Metroplex. And it doesn't always have to be your money. It could be your time. It could be your resources. It could be a coffee. Sometimes I know a guy who used to go and like talk to homeless drug addicts while they're there, give them some money and love on them. And, and these people are just blown away blown away that you would take the time. I mean, just take the time. Take the time. You don't have time, so to speak, not to take the time to reach and touch a lost and dying world. Amen? Amen? Amen. It says, this day is holy unto our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So here's our Hebrew lesson. There's many different kinds of strength portrayed in Hebrew in the Old Testament. Many. And that's the beauty of that language is that it, it gives you pictures and they're all appropriate and assigned to something. So when you hear a word, it usually has a picture assigned to it that gives your heart deeper and greater meaning. The deeper and greater the meaning in your heart, the stronger the foundation the stronger the foundation, the more you will stand and be able to withstand the winds and the storms of life to come. If you're not in one, you've been in one. If you're not in one, there's one coming. So you got to be prepared, amen? You got you to pour that concrete right. And listen, for the believer, I'll tell you, at 44 years old, having grown up in the church and having all of the richness of being a pastor's kid and missionary's kid and going to Oral Roberts and hearing sermons. My father actually, there was a thing back then, maybe some of you all know it. I'm dating myself, but you actually had to sit in the sermon as a kid. You had to listen and you had to be still or you might get some, uh, some correction on your way back. But even with all of that, I'm not afraid to recalibrate my foundation. I mean, if you know the Texas soil, you know all too and well, there's cracks that can happen. The higher your structure, the more visible the cracks. You have to be willing to hire a foundation repair company. And this is his manual to go back and put some piers in or go back and elevate one side and lower another side so that you might sustain the dwelling for the long term. Amen. That was just sidebar. Back, back to the, uh, the strengths, okay? So at the end, I'm going to tell you which strength it is. 
But I'm going to tell you which strengths it's not first. I'm going to give you two strengths in Hebrew that it's not. It's not koach. Okay? Say koach. Okay. You got to get the, the Sam, Sam's got it. This is a buddy of mine sitting on the back row. He's been working on his Hebrew the last few years. He's getting pretty good. Uh, so koach is the, mas- the masculine strength. And when we hear that scripture, a lot of us, the men, that's what we want, right? Koach is Samson's strength. It's, it's the word used when Delilah asked him, what's the secret of your koach? What's the secret of your strength? The joy of the Lord being your strength is not that one. That one's this, right? That's your might, okay? So it's not that one. So we got to swipe, okay? Whichever way, I don't, I don't know these apps, but whichever way you swipe to get rid of one, that's the way I want you to swipe. It's not koach. And it's not chayil, okay? Chayil is the root word for, for the word chayal, which also is a soldier. So chayil is strength, but it's the strength of a capable man in a military sense, okay? So it's the same word that was used when Moses was looking for men to govern the tens and the thirties in the Old Testament Exodus, right? That was chayil. He said, I have to find some men with chayil. They understand authority. They're capable men. It's not that one. So again, whichever direction yours works, swipe. It's not that one. It's a word called mozchem, okay? And I'm going to read this Nehemiah in Hebrew for y'all. Ve'omar lahem, lechu ochlu mishmanim, veshtu mamtakim, veshalchu manot le'en lachen lo. Ki kadosh hayom la'adonenu, ve'al te'atzvu, ki chadvat Adonai hi me'uschem. You heard the last word, me'uschem. Now this is the strength that it is. This is powerful, y'all, because we're talking about the joy of the Lord, talking about rejoicing. Meuschem is the strong tower. It's the refuge. It's the defense. It's the fortress. That's what it is. It's the stronghold. The joy of the Lord is your fortress. It's your stronghold. It's what you run into to become safe because of the knowledge you have, because you look at Jesus and he imparts to you the revelation that the circumstances that you face will fall to the ground in light of the greatness of God and his kingdom. This is the one that the righteous run into are safe. So I ran around many years thinking the joy of the Lord, and if I could just get enough joy, I would have enough strength to plow through this tough circumstance. And when you're young and young men, they all, you know, we all value strength, right? I mean, are there some men that were young in the house or young now? I mean, I know, I know these two guys working for me. They used to work out all the time. I think one time, two times I went to the gym with them. Ay, ay, ay. I'm, I'm probably 15 years their senior. And, but that, it's not that. It's not that. And it's not capability. It's not your, it's not your military know-how. The joy of the Lord is your refuge. It's your fortress. You run into it. So I want you to keep that in mind this season. Um, we'll close there. Uh, I'm very honored to have this opportunity. 
And I just want to tell you all that I, I love this house. From day one, Jeremy Shuck has encouraged me personally. He would walk out when I would, I would walk in. I didn't even know the guy. And he would walk up and he would give me a little word. He'd give me a little encouragement. He'd give me these, these full-on hugs and tell me how, how much he loved me. And I was like, man, this guy is weird. You know, he never, this guy handed me his small group, his personal small group, the one that he led. The stringers were in it. I never had to earn credibility with him because he was always in the business of freedom and release into your gifts, into your authority, into your callings at a higher level. I love this house because that, that has happened for me. I was dry when I arrived here three and a half years ago. And I remember sitting right about over here somewhere and a little girl like this high named Sarah, remember Sarah with the black hair used to run with, she turns around in the middle of the worship service. She goes, I have a word for you. And I was like, oh boy, the previous church I've been at for 10 years, (laughs) that just wasn't part of the, you, you weren't, that wasn't happening. She just, bam. And I remember having a a vision with my eyes closed of an old soldier clad in armor sitting under a huge tree, but he was asleep. And I remember he woke up and he was checking to see if everything still worked. And it it, it creaked, but it still worked. He felt the blade, There there was rust on it, but it was still sharp. And I remember seeing fires in the distance in this vision I was having, just sitting right there after she prophesied. And, and, and I knew that I was the warrior and that it was time, like God had awoken me from my sleep. And it was time to engage in the battles that were going on in the distance. And, and as I woke up, I started to shine and clean the armor and sharpen the sword and make sure that the shield worked. And the oil of joy begin to get in my, my armor, in my joints. See, it's, it's friction between two kingdoms that causes you to start having pain in your joints. The kingdom of light, which is an ecosystem of congruity where there's agreement, and a kingdom of darkness that is constantly in opposition, and we find ourselves in the middle, and you become disjointed sometimes. You become, there's, there's creaks, there's pain. And the Lord says tonight that the oil of joy for mourning can cause you to move again in places that you long, let's settle, and y'all can come up whenever you're ready. Um, so I just want to share that word. I hope it blesses you. I want to encourage you uh, to party hard this, this season. Party hard. Celebrate him. Celebrate the birth of the king. He's worthy. And and he'll bring you great delight in the partying, in the in the dancing, in the singing. Amen.